Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. so often, just, and it's usually around this time of night, my internet will just kick off for like a minute, just for literally zero reasons, like, no, I'm just going to take you off for a minute, alright, you're back. It's like, GJ, butthole, pretty much. What a douche, but you know what, we have a lot of douches to talk about today on the A Foreign Fair podcast, the news and notes edition, Wes Bradshaw. This is the Ronaldo edition. Kind of, yeah. Uh, welcome to the Foreign Affair podcast presented to you by NGSCSports.com and I'm Next USA. If you think you're the next great model, sporting person, singer, or maybe even presidential candidate, go oh, to All I'm... of the above for me, Ed Green. Thank that's you. True, that's true, you are. Uh, visit I'm Next USA and they will get you hooked up and on the path to superstardom today you can find that on them at i'm next usa find ngsc sports at ngsc sports simple enough you can find us at afa pod at west bradshaw 21 and at edward green and as i mentioned this is episode 116 the news and notes edition because besides celtic uh getting revenge on the lincoln red imps today with a big 3-0 win back in scotland um not a not a whole lot going on, Wes, for the uh, for game wise. Well, unless you want to talk about uh, Liverpool versus Tranmere Rovers, or Huddersfield Town, or Wigan. Oh, of course we well we do have to talk about Wigan because apparently they were they were very impressed with one Liverpool player. Uh, so <laughs> so very impressed. But don't worry, guys, we'll get to Liverpool weekly in just a little bit because we do have three Liverpool deals to talk about. We'll also do something we don't normally do when we talk in news and notes. That's going to speculate on deals because there are some major deals we can speculate on, including one we have new information from in the last three hours. Uh, we also have a couple updates to the Premier League, some new managers coming into the international scene, and some bidding adieu. And finally, we'll end with watch for and what is sure to be a gigantic so raw. So, Wes, let's jump right into it. The first news and notes story, uh, the first player and maybe at this point in the transfer window, the only player uh, to leave Leicester City from that title-winning side is Nglo Conte. He will be going to join another Conte, Antonio, over at Chelsea, moving from Leicester to no relation. No relation. Literally no relation. Uh, Conte is signing a five-year contract. The defensive midfielder, who was a huge part of 
of that Chils- uh, sorry that Leicester City defense last season. Uh, the Frenchman who also played a bit of a part in uh, the France international team at Euro 2016 this year. And Wes, he led the Premier League, according to Squawka Football, with the most interceptions with 152 and most tackles won in the Premier League. And we saw Antonio Conte's Italy side play very pressing attack and very strong defensively. And if he brings that to Chelsea, then Conte, uh, the player, is going to be someone who makes, I think, an immediate impact for that side going forward in the defensive midfield. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Chelsea, for the last half of the decade, uh, Nemanja Matic may have been the best central defensive midfielder in the world. He is definitely, I mean, his game has just gone downhill pretty much with his age. I mean, he's just kind of getting past it a little bit, doesn't quite have the legs he used to. And, you know, when you think of Chelsea, I mean, really, when you think of Chelsea since they've come into real relevance over the past decade plus, you know, Chelsea are built defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, I mean, they've got some good goal scorers, and they, but they win matches, and this started with Mourinho, and it's pretty much kept up. They win matches by choking out the other team. Yes. Uh, I, I don't want to totally say park the bus. I mean, that is in the arsenal, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, they, the, the hallmark of Chelsea has been they start at the back with strength and then work their way forward with more strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially in the spine of their team. They like big, strong, physical, tough guys. And they have they hit just a complete home run with Angola Conte. Yeah, if he keeps up the form that he did last season after coming over from Kine in the uh, league in, uh, he is going to be a very good buy and still on a five-year contract. That'll just take him through his year 30 season. So still uh, getting him in his prime, really, you would think. Uh, I did mention earlier that the, he is the first Leicester City player to go, of course. Early on in this transfer period, there was a lot of talk about potentially Jamie Vardy having a party at Arsenal. And then uh, we've also heard a lot of talk about Riyad Mahrez also possibly leaving. Wes, is is this of those sort of main three, and it's not to to sort of, you know, diminish the the uh, the play of other players from the team like Christian Fuchs and Danny Drinkwater and Kasper Schmeichel, but these were the three core guys for Leicester's title-winning team. Do you think either of the other two will leave, or is this the only major uh, defection Leicester will have this offseason? I think that's going to be the only major one. Um, <clears throat> it looks like Morris has said he, he's willing to stay for another year, uh, and, and that's a really that's a really good thing for him. They, uh, yeah, he he is the he's the engine of that team. He's the one that makes the attack go. Jamie Vardy. <clears throat> Jamie Vardy had a phenomenal year, and you know when you're the goal scorer, you're always going to be the guy who gets the uh, the accolades. But you know, I, I just I think Jamie Vardy is a guy who is built for this Leicester City team. Um, not to say he couldn't go to a big club and succeed, but you know when you, when you're at this point of your career and you're Jamie Vardy, wouldn't you rather just be the big fish in that pond mm-hmm. instead of you know, going somewhere and potentially being second or third choice, but oh, but it's a bigger club. Um, <clears throat> so I think I think Jamie Vardy made a good move sticking around. I think he did the right thing. Um, 
And then, I mean, you know, you look at guys, like you said, Christian Fuchs, uh, Wes Morgan, uh, mm-hmm. the captain actually just signed a new contract with him. I mean, he might have been the best central defender in the premiership last year. I, I still think this is a really strong team. And, you know, one thing that they've kind of made their hallmark on is they they make kind of those smart, under-the-radar signings. Mm-hmm. I mean, who on the – sorry – had never heard of Angola Conte, Raya Mares. I'd heard of Jamie Vardy only because of the previous season. Um, had heard of Wes Morgan, but you know, Christian Fuchs, I mean, we didn't know who these guys were. Yeah. They weren't they weren't your big money, you know, go out and get them transfers. We had heard of Danny Drinkwater mainly because the men in Blazers like to play with his name. Because <laughs> it was the most English of names. Very. Um But you know, I mean, this was a Leicester team that was not built on the back of superstars was not built on the back of 40 million pound transfers. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think they're going to do just fine without Angola Conte. I don't know if you can flat out replace that guy, mm-hmm. but in just this short time, I, I've got enough uh, faith, I think, in the Leicester City uh, hierarchy that they're going to go out and get a, uh, a very solid uh, guy to replace Angola Conte. I believe so too, and we'll have to we have to imagine that with the influx of cash that Leicester is sure to receive, not just from the of course the Premier League TV deals, but also from winning the league and getting that Champions League money that's coming their way, uh, they they will have some more money. Well, to and you, and you just got thirty million pounds for Angola Conte. So. Exactly, they they have that money. Um, now we uh, we turn our attention to a newly promoted side. Leicester was just one of those a couple years ago. Well, one coming back up this season will be Middlesbrough, and they are bringing a familiar face back to the Premier League, Alvaro Negredo. After being exiled from Manchester City for two years, is on his way back from Valencia. He's coming back to Middlesbrough uh, on a deal that was agreed to just today. 30-year-old is coming back over after leaving City in 2014. Uh, He scored 12 goals in 40 appearances for Valencia, only five uh, coming in La Liga play. So, Wes, uh, we've seen some teams, you know, coming back up, uh, sort of of spending more money. We saw Bournemouth try to do it last year, and unfortunately half the guys they bought got hurt in the first two weeks. Um, but, But we're seeing, I think we're seeing, you know, some of these, these newly promoted teams now with the extra money really, really going after it and trying to make not just a, a, a bid to stay up for an extra season in the Premier League, but really trying to make that immediate impact. Now, I don't know if Alvaro Negredo, uh, he's on the wrong side of 30 now at this point, so I don't know if he's going to be a guy who can really do it for Middlesbrough, but he does at least have and add to this side a little bit of Premier League experience. Well, remember, too, when you get promoted into the Premier League, your first thought, your first plan, your first goal is to get to that second season in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And for what Middlesbrough is doing, you know, bringing in a guy like Negredo, I don't think they're expecting them to come light the world on fire. Mm-hmm. But when you're one of those teams, when you're a Bournemouth or you're somebody like that, you know, we saw Bournemouth last year, we saw Leicester two years ago. You know, sometimes it's not that you're getting a guy for the entire 
the entirety of the campaign. Maybe you're getting a guy who there are three or four games that he he has the talent that he can turn the tide of those matches mm-hmm. and maybe turn one point into three points or no points into a point. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I just, I've seen enough of Negredo that I don't believe over a 38-match season he's going to be there week in and week out to be your go-to guy by any means. Mm-hmm. But I can see Negredo being the difference in maybe three or four matches for him. And at the end of the year, that might be enough to keep them up into the Premier League for another season. If so, it's worth every penny that you spend on him. Um, and also, Middlesbrough, you know, you see they are trying to make a splash. Uh, they have been connected with former Arsenal Manchester United striker Robin Van Persie, mm-hmm. who uh, has been floated around with some of the I guess more uh, lower end of the table Premier League clubs uh, maybe making a move back from Turkey. Yeah, certainly he fell out of favor in Turkey. Never, never really got going over there. So a, a return to the Premier League could do uh, his uh, longevity a little bit of good. But uh, but good for uh, Middlesbrough. They they are going for it. You know, I think before, not to get too much into it, but I think that's something we didn't really see from Burnley two years ago. Um, we, we, we saw a team that, that had potential and had pieces, but they didn't have enough pieces. You know, they did have Danny mm-hmm. Ings, but they didn't make a concerted effort um, as far as... And I'm not taking... I'm not going to go blast their management office and tell them no. they should have done this or they should have done that. But they, they didn't make that let's go for it effort. And it, and it just seems like the talent they brought up wasn't enough to keep them in the Premier League. And we'll have to see really if now that they're coming back up after spending one year in the championship, if they've learned from that or if, if this the history is going to repeat itself there. Well, it kind of felt like a couple of years ago, Burnley was like, hey, we're just happy to come up and pocket this money, mm-hmm. you know, build our infrastructure, do some things. And you know what? They almost got through, of course. Um, yeah. <clears throat> as you mentioned, Danny Ings, uh, oh, I've lost my name, but they had another guy who's actually playing for Tottenham now, um, the, the, the fullback. Uh... Oh, Garrett... uh, Trippier, Trippier. Yeah, you're in Trippier, that's yeah. it. So, so, you know, they definitely had some pieces, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, they, they didn't really make that push to go out and, hey, let's get a couple guys with some Premier League experience who can come in and, you know, maybe help us out through this campaign. And I'll give Middlesbrough credit. That's what they're looking to do this year because, like I said, you know, goal number one for a promoted team is find a way to stay at the party next year. Well, uh, one player who is going to have to hope his team can get back up to the party now that he is on loan as we transfer into Liverpool Weekly. Uh, Liverpool have... Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, Adam Bogdan is going over to Wigan Athletic, joining the team um, after uh, his match against Macclesfield Town. Ironic, you know, West being in not to date or show where we are on a map or anything. Uh, but the Hungarian is moving over to Wigan West. Uh, he didn't play that many matches for uh, for Liverpool this past season. And correct <clears throat> me if I'm wrong, he didn't look spectacular when he did get into matches. Um, so I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on sending Bogdan on loan and what else is in the pipeline uh, to back up Simon Mignolet. Well, uh, let's let's put it this way. Um, Bogdan so underwhelmed in his chances that he did get that we recalled a 20-year-old Danny Ward to come in just to be our backup. 
and then I believe he played once the rest of the season, but we just couldn't stand having Bogdan even on our bench. It was that bad. Um, Bogdan showed his, uh, his, his ceiling last year. He's a championship keeper, which means he's not bad, but he, he's just he's not made for the Premier League. Uh, I think it, it seemed like he got signed off of, you know, Liverpool have been guilty of doing this. He got signed off a really good appearance against Liverpool in the <laughs> FA Cup. It saves yeah, we, you we on scouting that. money. We're, well, I mean, it's called, it's called Christian Benteke, you know. Yeah, it's like, well, hey, we'll sign you, and then at least you can't, you know, beat us on the field against us, you know. So, um, but Bogdan, it, it was – the writing was absolutely on the wall. Of course, Loris Karius uh, has been one of Liverpool's big offseason signings, the goalie from Germany. Um, and he's actually started and played all three of the um, preseason friendlies you know, matches here mm-hmm. thus far. Uh, and, of course, Mignolet not back yet from, uh, from international duty. He's still on vacation. And I'm going to tell you this, you know, forgetting Bogdan, Mignolet, Mignolet at this point might have his hands full trying to keep the number one shirt. Ah. So uh, Bogdan... Bogdan was way, way, way down the pecking order. He knew he wasn't going to get to play. Uh, also, a guy who's been in the Liverpool camp for the last couple of weeks is a former Arsenal keeper, Alex Manninger. Um, and the rumor is going around that uh, if Klopp likes him and hey, he's kept him around this long, Klopp might like what he sees, that he will actually be signed to be the third keeper. Okay. So, I mean, the writing has been on the wall for Bogdan. The only thing I can't understand is, you know, why the hell it's just a loan and we can't just sell his ass. <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, it's just nothing against Adam Bogdan. He's just, it was a terrible signing. Yeah. I mean, it was just a bad signing to start with. And, you know, Klopp is coming in and showing more ambition with his goalkeeping position. Hmm. Um, so, you know, good, good luck to Bogdan on loan. Hey, I hope he goes, does well, and we get a decent little fee for him. Well, someone you did manage to sell completely outright is one Jordan Ibe, someone who almost two years ago to the day we could not stop raving about when we saw him in Charlotte. Uh, The 20-year-old has signed a four-year deal with AFC Bournemouth. Um, So he is joining the Cherries in their second season in the Premier League to study under Eddie Howe, uh, where the winger is hoping to get a little more playing time than he got under Jurgen Klopp. Uh, He scored only uh, one goal this past season and had just two assists. Uh, So, Wes, you know, someone who I think we we both thought, especially considering Mm -hmm. we saw him play live, Mm -hmm. um, a ton of talent, a physical specimen of a player, but just his, his final touch, just not where you want it right now. uh, As far as a, a proven goal scorer needs to have. And again, he is only 20, so there is still time to develop, but with the other options that Jurgen Klopp now has under his, uh, at his disposal, I may have become just a little superfluous, although as an outsider, you know, I I, would be very interested to hear your thoughts on this. I I would be a little bit worried about a guy like this coming back to bite you down the long run, in the, in the long run. But Mm -hmm. I I assume that they, there is, if, if he is signing off more than the, uh, the transfer committee is, then I assume that Klopp knows what he's doing with this. 
Jordan Hub, this is one that's kind of splitting the fan base a little bit. And you know that a couple years ago, as you know, I'm a big Jordan Hub fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I think physically he is he's superb. I mean, he's got good size for a winger. He's fast as lightning. You know, he can he can run for days. Physically, he is a fantastic prospect. But the problem he's had is that he he doesn't he has no end product. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not a very good crosser for a winger. He doesn't put a very good cross in. As you said, only two assists all of last season. That's not good enough. Uh, and, and truly, that's not good enough for Liverpool. Now you say, well, he's twenty years old, and you know, here's the deal: if Liverpool were playing in Europe this year, I don't think Jordan I would have gone anywhere. But what we're looking at right now is the fact that Jurgen Klopp, and it's not over, he's having to cut down this roster. Mm-hmm. For the simple fact that I believe right now Liverpool, if you added everyone up, I believe Liverpool has maybe 35 first-team players. Oof. I mean, that's with no Europe, that's, that's insanity. Yeah. You can't carry that many guys. You know, you're going to be paying a ton of guys literally to stand on a sideline all year and not even make the bench. Um, the signing of Sadio Mane, who is basically Jordan Ibe as more of a finished product. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they're, they're similar physically, you know, uh, you know, Mane speed to burn, but he has a good touch and he can score goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that kind of did, uh, Jordan Ibe in. Uh, Lazar Markovic coming back off of loan. It, every day you see he's either staying or maybe they're going to shop him. I would really like to see us hold on to him for another year. But like I said, with no Europa, no champ, no Champions League, no Europa, um, no, you know, there's never a guarantee that you're going to do anything in the cups as the Red Sox just hit another bomb. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's never a guarantee you're going to make a run in the cups. You would like to. But, you know, Jordan Ibe would have just, he would have really, I believe, been lost in the shuffle this year. And I think going to Bournemouth, for Jordan Ibe, going to Bournemouth is maybe the best move he could have made. I mean, go, he goes, he plays for a team that loves to attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Bournemouth wants to get out and attack. Um, stupid dog. Uh, <laughs> you know, playing for a young guy, young <laughs> manager and Eddie Howe, mm-hmm. who's very highly rated. Um, I think it does nothing but potentially help his career. And now I haven't heard a final on this. There was the rumor of a purported buyback clause put into the ideal. Um, I don't know if it went down or not. But, I mean, I, I see... Yeah, I, I don't understand sometimes how... Or why people say, well, you sold him, that's it, you've lost him forever. I mean, I don't understand why if, you know, a guy develops in two or three years, hey, if you're ready to pay the money, go back in and get him. Mm-hmm. I mean, so one we'll talk about later, Mr. Paul Pogba. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that looks like that might be, you know, exactly what happens here. <laughs> Is, you know, well, you know, he went and he got good. Let's bring him back <laughs> and pay out the fucking ass for it. But still. Yeah. Um, but for Jordan Ibe, I think it's a good move for Jordan Ibe's career. And I hate I hate to lose him at, at Liverpool, but it's it's what it is. You know, sometimes it uh sometimes you guys have to move on. Okay. 
Well, one guy who is moving on to Liverpool is Ragnar Klavan, who's coming over from Augsburg in Germany. Uh, he just signed a deal also today for a four-year contract coming over to Liverpool. Uh, not a lot uh, has been made about this man after playing in a mid-table team in Germany, uh, but we can tell you that according to Squawk of Football on Twitter, uh, Cliven made 770 successful clearances in the Bundesliga over the last four seasons. That is more than any other player. Uh, in 31 appearances last season, he did keep uh, 11 clean sheets and I guess something that would be good to see. He was booked only eight times in 125 Bundesliga games over the last four years. Um, and that is something, you know, Jurgen Klopp, uh, previously at Dortmund, I'm sure remembers seeing him play and, and has firsthand experience watching him. Um, so this is this is something that West can kind of shore up a little bit of that defense in the back for Liverpool. Obviously, last season when 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 it was really clicking, you had Firmino and, and uh, Coutinho and and Sturridge all going up top, all so good offensively, and and while the defensive backline sort of had its good moments um there there was also some very bad moments for this defense that the offense sometimes did a good job of masking so this should hopefully uh be a be a good addition in that defensive midfield for or sorry in the defensive uh fullback defensive back position for liverpool so he's playing safety huh yes Uh, basically strong safety damn love sean taylor um, no, basically what Klavan's going to come in to do, you know, once again, A, this is totally a Jurgen Klopp knows him. Jurgen Klopp has seen him. Jurgen Klopp at, likes him to some extent signing. Five million pounds, you're not bringing in the next great, you know, Liverpool defensive player. But what you're getting out of it is you're getting a guy with some versatility. Now, what's a position where Liverpool has, has had problems and had no depth left back? Yeah. Behind Alberto Moreno? There ain't shit right now. Uh, Klavan can play left back. So that gives you a solid defensive backup on the left side. Not to say they might still not bring in someone else for the left, but Klavan gives you an option out there. Uh, also right now with Liverpool in the uh, in the center of defense, you know, you're looking at injuries right now to Joe Gomez and Mamadou Sako. Uh, Yoel Matip uh, had, had lipped off the uh, – mm-hmm. The Wigan match. It begins uh, again. Uh, well, luckily, sounds like uh, that wasn't too big of a problem. He's 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 good to go. I almost want to say he may have played today against uh, Huddersfield Town. I, I didn't see the actual lineup, but um, you know, it sounds like he's good to go, which is a good thing. But right now, I mean, you were sitting there looking at at two healthy senior central defensive players, mm-hmm. uh, Tiago Alori, who's still on the squad at the moment. Uh, you know, he, he's about to head to Brazil to play for, in the Olympics for Portugal. So, literally, Liverpool needed a body at the back. Clavin, uh, as we say, he can play in the middle. He can play on the left. He's just going to give them some versatility. I don't expect the guy to play maybe more than about 10 or 12 matches this year. But, hey, you know, you need you need that kind of depth. And with us losing Skirtle, with us losing Colo uh, Torre, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of a... You know, that that's the fifth center that's the fifth center back and Liverpool needed one and he's uh he's the Estonian national team captain so you know he's got some leadership skills 
um, and have been a, a very solid player at Augsburg, who's not a sexy Bundesliga team. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, it's a team who's always right there in the mid-table, um, lower mid-table, and uh, he's, he's got experience. And, hey, as I've said with everything, Ed, if Klopp likes him, I'm on board. There you go. All aboard the Klopp hype train. Boom. And speaking of boom, uh, just in the last couple hours, uh, this this story, which we were going to talk about already, has has taken another turn. And again, we don't like to talk, or at least I don't like to talk about deals that haven't happened yet. That's why we're not going to talk about one particular Tottenham signing yet for a guy who's there on a medical because he hasn't officially signed yet. Kevin? Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin replacing Clinton. Um, Yeah. Um, You talked about him just a minute ago about buying guys back. Well, Manchester United is trying desperately to buy back Paul Pogba from Juventus. Um, Earlier in the week, it was reported that Juventus turned down an 85 million uh, pound offer to resign him. But now just a few hours ago, Wes, it's turning out that maybe they've accepted a hundred and five hundred and ten million pound offer, uh, which would just be insane, really, when you start thinking about it. Um, but this is a guy, you know, who had a great season at Juventus this year, had a fairly mediocre Euro 2016 for France, um, but his stock is very high. He's still young. He's a good attacking midfielder. And uh, when, when you put him in, the the lineup United is starting to build, it's becoming very, very dangerous. But I have to wonder, is this going to be, because Ed Woodward is involved, could this be De Gea 2.0, or is United going to get this done? I hate to say, I think they're going to get it done because here's the great equalizer to Woodward, Mourinho. That's true. And Josie's not going to sit back and let them dawdle and let them dick around. Josie's going to say, just push the damn thing through. Let's go. Um, 120 million euros. It's a lot. It comes out right now with the conversion right at 100 million, a little over 100 million pounds. Uh, it would be a world record. Don't tell Ronaldo. Don't tell Gareth Bale. Well, Bale doesn't matter. Yeah. Bale doesn't mind. It's all about Ronaldo. That's true. <laughs> Ronaldo may now actually try to force a move somewhere just so he can reclaim that. <laughs> I can see that happening. Um, but, I mean, I think it's a fantastic move. I mean, what, what team in the world does not get better by adding Paul Pogba at this point? Uh, you know, didn't have the greatest euros. But, you know, what? if I'm a G, if I'm a, well, I was about to say if I'm a GM, I'm watching baseball right now. Yeah. Uh, if I'm if I'm a transfer committee member anywhere or a, <laughs> whoever the hell's making the decisions, I don't really give a rip what he did at Euros mm-hmm. because I've seen the guy play for his club. Yeah. And he's arguably the the most physically talented midfielder in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean he can he can score you goals, he can throw in assists, he can break up play, he can dribble. I mean the guy can do about anything and he's got good size, good strength. I mean, if if you've got the chance to get him, you take him, and he immediately upgrades your midfield. And the scary thing for those of us who are Manchester United haters, of which I am, you know, president of that fan club, <sighs> Mourinho's come in and he's he's overhauled what for years 
has been the Achilles heel of Manchester United, even late into the Alex Ferguson regime. Mm -hmm. And that is that star central midfielder. I'm not talking about uh, skulls or gigs. I'm talking about a guy who sits in the middle of the park and dictate the play and is just part destroyer, part scorer, part genius on the ball. And if they get Pogba, they, God damn, they might turn into the damn uh, favorite for this league. Well, I was just about to ask you, and of course we'll do it in a couple weeks. Uh, we'll do our full Premier League preview and make our totally incorrect preseason picks. <laughs> um, but but if they get Pogba, I was going to ask, are, are United preseason title favorites at that point? They're getting close. They're getting very close. you got to take a whole look at that roster. I still think they well, – the problem is they still got weaknesses and some pretty glaring weaknesses, mm-hmm. but they have really, really upgraded in some key spots here in the offseason. Yeah, and it's it's very scary. As, as Latan said earlier this week, he is, he is becoming the god of Manchester. Uh, <laughs> take well, back Air Cantona. Yeah, I, I, I hate to say this because, of course, you know, even, even though he now wears the red of the our behated Manchester United, mm-hmm. uh, we are still Zlatan fans. His poster is still hanging in my office. I mean, it's not coming down anytime soon. We still love Zlatan. Um, we'll get to it when the preview comes, but I, I don't know if Zlatan is going to be... Exactly putting up uh, France-type numbers. (laughs) Well, I I think that's accurate. I I think he's going to have a good season, but I think he is going to find the Premier League just a tad bit tougher than League One. I think think it might start to catch up with him when you come to a place like the Premier League. Hmm, I'm a 35-year-old striker. Wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. we'll we'll definitely see, but of course we'll get to that in the preview in a few weeks. Yes. Enjoy your Europa trips to Trabenspor, Zlatan. <laughs> something tells me he will not be making those Europa League trips. Yeah, something tells me he's only going to play the home Europa League match. <laughs> yeah. uh, because he's bored. Yeah. Well, going from one, uh, we can call him a diva striker, to another, uh, going one that is. Maybe not being sold at this point. We've heard maybe they'll go, maybe that he won't. And that is Chelsea's Diego Costa. Uh, Chelsea just rejected a bid, 60 million euros from Atletico Madrid, his once home uh, that they put forth there. And it seems like from everything we've heard from Conti, from everything we've heard from the club, they are really intent on keeping him. Um of course, they also brought in uh, the man we're calling Mitsubishi, uh, the Belgian coming over to join Costa, which is a position that Chelsea just completely lacked any semblance of after Costa. If he went hurt, if he was hurt, that was pretty much it for the striker position for them. Um, but the uh, but with all his problems, he's still been scoring goals. Again, those are injury problems and attitude problems. Um, he scored 64 goals, though, in 134 matches for Atletico. So you know why they're so keen on getting him back to possibly pair him with a guy like Antoine Griezmann and try to really go for uh, a Champions League and La Liga title. Uh, but Wes, I-, I don't know that, you know, maybe... And I hate if I'm Chelsea because I just talked about how much they lack as far as an up-front striker. But I don't know if this isn't a time where you might want to sell high on a guy like Costa. 
And I mean, 60 million euros, you know, when we break that down into pounds, I mean, we're talking about 50 million pounds. That's a lot. Um, for a guy who is coming off a subpar season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm not trying to get on that train. But you know what Chelsea have got to be looking at as well? You know, with Costa's injury history, you know, they've gone, they've got Batshui, who is going to be their number two. Going to be a guy who plays quite a bit. But the thing is, they're just there's not a plethora of world class strikers out there. Mm-hmm. And when you, I, mean, I don't know, I don't know. If, well, two years ago, Diego Costa was a world class striker. Last year, he wasn't. We'll have to see what he is this year. But when you've potentially got one of those guys, and you don't have the Champions League to try to, you know, help you get another one, a replacement. I mean, it's not like Chelsea's exactly hurting for the money. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're not hurting for it. I mean, Chelsea is a team who can turn down 50 million pounds for a striker. Um, so, you know, for Chelsea, it might be in their best bet just to hold on to him and let him play. That's that's a totally fair point. They only would have made about an eighteen million. I say only eighteen million pound profit uh, from when they bought him about three years ago, or sorry, yeah. two years ago from Atletico. So it wouldn't yeah. have been a huge gain, but you do have to wonder. I always feel like Costa is one Suarez moment away from his value just completely falling through the floor. And that's yeah. that that's that's my one worry if I'm Chelsea. If he does something incredibly stupid and with an FA decision that was made earlier today, that could become oh, a little more yeah. testy, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, that that's my only thing is that and, and I, I completely agree with you. You know, Chelsea, they're not hurting for the money. And they don't have a whole lot of other options out there. I just don't know if... Maybe he's going to come out and score 26 goals this year. I don't know. But I just don't know if his value is ever going to get this much higher uh, than well, it is now. And I'll say this. Let's say... So let's say you turn down $50 million for him this year. Let's say he goes out, has a good season. But, of course, he's going to have a few Diego moments. I believe he might. He's probably really high up on the list of probables to get one of those red cards this year <laughs> um, for the whole ref thing. Uh, of course, we'll talk about it, as you said in just a little bit here. I mean, I, I've got a very good feeling he'll he'll get one of those. Yes. I'll, I'll just about put money on that. <laughs> um, but let's say that he goes out, as you said, scores twenty two goals, fires you back into the top four, back into the Champions League. And then let's say next year Atletico want to pay you $35 million for him. Well, you know what? I might have lost some money on that end, but now I'm back in the Champions League, and now I can go out and maybe find a guy at, at the equal footing who I can replace him with. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I believe at this point, I mean, having Mishi Bashwi as your, as your number two is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'm trusting Mishi Bashwi to go in as my number one in his first year in the Premier League and have literally no cover for the guy. I think it's very, very crucial, unless they can get a guy of equal or greater value than Diego Costa, Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of crucial that Chelsea hold on to Costa. 
speaking of getting a guy of equal or greater value, uh, we moved to our last sort of rumor mill story here. And this is one that has been persisting for a while, ever since it seemed like uh, Jamie Vardy might be going to Arsenal. Uh, now it looks like they have turned their attention to Napoli's Gonzalo Higuain, uh, who may be coming over to Arsenal in, in one of those where there's no trades really in the world of soccer, but this might be as close to one as you could get. Iguain to Arsenal for 50 million euros and Olivier Giroud. Um, last week, uh, Giroud's agent was really talking up a Napoli transfer. And then all of a sudden this week, he's like, no, that's that's not true. That's who said Never. that? No one ever said that. Um, so, Wes, you know, this is something where Iguain coming over, it's, it's one of those things that you've been crying at for years on this podcast that Arsenal need a a really great striker to put them over the top does Iguain fit that bill for them I think he absolutely fits the bill I absolutely also absolutely think it's not going to happen well and here's the thing Napoli have said that um they are holding out that if if you want him come get him 94 million euros Mm mm-hmm Hey, come on, come on, come get him. 94 million, that's what it's going to cost you. Um, I think we've seen with uh, R.C. Winger, Hmm. they're not going to spend that. Well, and yeah, because, you know, you say that, and and they offered 50 million euros, so they're basically saying Olivier Giroud is worth 44 million euros. Exactly. I mean, and and here's another thing, too. Um, I don't think Winger wants to get rid of Giroud. He has a he has a hard on for Olivier Giroud somewhere in there. He loves Olivier Giroud. Now that's it. <clears throat> Olivier Giroud would be fantastic as a second striker. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's a guy who you can put him in in Premier League matches. He'd do fine. You just if you really want to compete at a really high level, you need something better than Giroud. And Higuain would do wonders for that. I mean, his game has progressed so much since going to Napoli after leaving Real Madrid. He is he is not talked about a lot, but he is definitely one of the best all-around strikers in the world. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt about it. He is fantastic. But, I mean, this is Arsenal. This is Arsenal who needed the major overhaul. They go out, they start the summer fantastic, getting Granite Shaka. All right, now time to fix the attack. They get some guy from Japan and then sign a championship like defender the other day, yeah. and that's their summer so far. So are are you are you pretty much convinced that there's no way they get, uh, they, or they go for Higuain just straight up? No. Okay. No. Yeah, I don't think they will. Um, and it do, you know, another name they've been bandy about was Alvaro Morata, who mm. you know uh, Madrid exercised their buyback clause on him. Great piece of business for them because either they keep him and he pays off or they sell him for twice what they paid back for him. Mm-hmm. So that's a good move. Murata had been rumored to be going to Arsenal. Apparently they offered, I think, 60 million euros for him. Didn't go through. Uh, I, I just, I think Arsenal like to talk like they want to play in the big boy sandbox. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of the day, they don't they don't really want to put in the money to play in the big boy sandbox. Um, yeah, every once in a while they'll buy a guy, you know, uh, 
Ozil was shocked just because people were shocked that they actually paid money for someone. Um, you know, Granite Shaka, that was the kind of player that they needed and went out and got. And now it turns around, it's like, okay, now just go get the striker. It's like, maybe Joel Campbell will come through this. Sure. Come on. But I I just, I believe at the end of the day, uh, Arsenal fans are going to be sitting there going, seriously, again, again, we didn't get anybody. So, uh, yeah, I just, I I don't think it's going to work out with him. Arsene Wenger's bargain bin shopping. (sighs) Well, now we're going to go talk of a few injuries. One guy coming back from an injury that might have been able to make a bit of difference for England in Euro 2016. Not that he ever would have actually played. Uh, but maybe he'll be playing some more under the next guy coming in. Uh, Jack Butland uh, is uh, reportedly pain-free after making his return to Stokes preseason and played the first 45 minutes uh, in their um, their game against Burton Albion on Saturday. Uh, of course, he broke his ankle late last year in the season, missed Euro 2016, missed... Actually, no, I'm sorry. He broke it uh, in the uh, one of the exhibitions, correct? I thought he broke it late in the Premier League season. I thought he... I thought it was during Premier League season that he got hurt. I'm sorry. I thought I thought it was no. He was uh yeah. It was the the friendly against Germany back in March. Okay, so yeah, it was yeah. quote Premier League season. Yes, it it was, but it was because I remember like I I I was actually watching it while I was at the beach, and because I remember them bringing the stretcher out and everything. Anyway, um, so you you had to feel for Butland who, you know almost had you know kind of supplanted Fraser Forrester a little bit and kind of looked like the now the the first in line to be the future England number one maybe present England number one after Joe Hart but um this this is good to see West for both Stoke and potentially going forward as World Cup qualifying kicks off for England pretty soon oh absolutely Butland has all the ability in the world to be an actual world-class keeper who's English <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Um, I, I truly believe if Butlin comes back and gets back to the level he was at, which I don't think he should have too big of a problem with, mm-hmm. uh, I I truly believe he's going to be your starting keeper going to the World Cup. Okay. Um, I think he's that good. I think Joe Hart is showing some decline. He's showing that much decline, maybe. Yeah. That I think there's going to be a good. Ch- I do. I think there's a good chance he's going to be your England number one going to the next major tournament. Uh, and that's it. If he is, he's going to be your England number one for the next decade mm-hmm. because you know he is young for a goalkeeper. I want to say maybe 23, 24. And he's a young player. He's phenomenally talented. Um, I also don't really see him sticking around at Stoke mm-hmm. very much longer. I think this is a guy who's going to be playing for one of the major England clubs. Just off the top of my head, you know, that that's a guy who if if Manchester United decide they want to pull the trigger on De Gea mm-hmm. or need to make if that move needs to be made in the next couple of years, Butlins and Butlins a guy they probably look to replace. Uh, maybe if Pet if Petter Cech starts falling off at Arsenal, Arsenal go in for him. I mean, that's a guy who, uh, you know, when when it's time, every big club in England's going to be thinking, you know, hey, this is a guy that we want. 
Exactly. You know, only 23, as you said, six foot five. The one thing you do worry about with that ankle injury, something that's so important for a keeper, is getting that push off when you're when you're diving. Uh, and because it was his his right ankle, uh, you got to worry about then you know dives to his uh to his left side where he's going to be pushing off that right foot a lot. Uh, you know how how is that going to affect him going forward? But otherwise I th- I think you're exactly right Wes. I think this is a guy who will be at a top top level uh Premier League club before, you know, the next couple of years finish out. And talking about his ankle, you know, the good thing it was a break. Yeah. Breaks happen. Um, guys come back from breaks all the time. That's it's not really that big of an issue. It wasn't it wasn't anything like degenerative or traumatic ligament tear or anything like that. Um, and truly, I mean, you know, the way medicine is now. I mean, I mean, Jesus, I broke my ankle three times <laughs> playing sports growing up, and I came back every time and until it broke again. It didn't give me a problem. But that was the nineties. <laughs> we know about medicine in the nineties. It was the Stone Ages. Um, I just, I don't think this is going to be, you, you know, luckily for him, like I said, with a break, that's not something that's really going to be reoccurring. Mm-hmm. It, it was a one-time kind of break thing. So I, I don't see him having too big of an issue coming back from this. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so we will move now to a guy that has started having some injury issues and one guy that we thought maybe we'd get to see in about a week and a half, and it doesn't look like we're going to get to now. Uh, Bayern Munich's Aryan Robin got sucked into his own vortex by his dodgy flapper and left Saturday's preseason match against Lipstadt with a groin injury. Uh, it looks like he's going to miss about six weeks, which will take him out of the opener for Bayern Munich going forward. And all jokes aside, West, this is somebody... Who, who missed a lot of time last year for Bayern Munich and really kind of ended up pushing Douglas Costa more into the forefront for Bayern Munich. And uh, it looks like Bayern and first-time coach there, Carlo Ancelotti, is going to need him to step up again in place of Robin, who looks like, I, I hate to say it, but he's almost starting to hit the, the, the Vincent company uh, level of injuries here where he's just not able to stay get healthy and stay healthy. Well, I mean, you look at one thing with Robin. I mean, this is a guy who, A, relies on his speed. He mm-hmm. is absolutely just dynamite when he gets going. I mean, he's a winger who's now 32 years old who relies on his speed. Yep. Those aren't really <laughs> the most reassuring words on earth. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of been a joke now for years. He has one move. He runs fast and cuts into his lift. But the thing is, when you're just that much faster than everyone else, you know what? You can get away with that move and still be fantastically successful. When you start playing around with groins, and see, that that's more what I'm talking about, um, you know, mm-hmm. against Butland. Butland was a bone injury. Mm-hmm. This is that soft tissue injury that, you know, this is an injury that can play – Havoc upon a player going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, case in point, you know, talk about Daniel Sturridge. You know, Sturridge, all his injuries, soft tissue. It's never a broken, broken ankle or a broken, you know, leg or an arm. It's 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 soft tissue, and soft tissue. Sometimes it comes back. Sometimes it doesn't come back. Um, 
Unfortunately for Robin, as we said, he is on the wrong side of 30. And uh, wingers who rely on speed. Uh, yeah, mm. that's uh, that, that becomes a tough one down the line. So hopefully he'll be able to come back because uh, he he has been such a key part for Bayern Munich. But it, they did get on pretty well without him last year. But again, that will mean uh, Douglas Costa, again, is stepping up and playing a huge role. And of course, also uh, Thomas Mueller. Uh, having him doesn't really hurt that much, I guess. Or a guy like, or a guy like Robert Lewandowski. It's fine. They're okay. And that, that guy you mentioned, Douglas Costa. Yeah, he's good too. Yeah, they're all really good players. Um, so now we hit our manager talk. We got three manager stories to talk about here. Uh, the first one, Wes, you you had no words earlier today when this was almost virtually confirmed. Um, it it doesn't look like it's going to be confirmed till maybe about the end of this week, but we're going to go ahead and talk about it. We talked a little bit about it maybe happening last week. Ah, <sighs> Wes, it does look like Big Sam. Big Sam Allardyce is your next Three Lions manager. I mean, how the hell does this happen? You know, you say that Arlo White was very excited about this possibility a couple weeks ago. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, we've we've sat here and had the conversation on here before. You know, some guys who, you know, great club managers don't always make great international managers and vice versa. <sighs> I mean, you know what, as as I sit here and think about it, the more I think about it, the more I may be getting on board with it. Because, you know, what is Big Sam, I mean, what's his specialty? His his true specialty is relegation survivor at the end of the season. But think about this, Ed. It's true. I mean, you have a compact number of games, and you have a, you have an ultimate goal that you have to hit, which is survival. You know, he gets teams, um, he gets them, you know, together. They play, you know, they they play compact, but they are incredibly hard to beat. And at the end of the day, whatever we think of Big Sam, he is successful usually in what his goal is, which is survival, keeping a club up, you know, getting a team organized. Maybe that works in international football. I mean, Maybe. God, as we say it, it's scrolling across the bottom of ESPN right now. Oh, no. Oh, God. Um, Newcastle, West Ham, and Sun. Oh, God. Well, um, you, you know, I, I, I'm they, re- re- just reading this article here and hearing some of the other names. Harry Redknapp, Steve Bruce over for, at Hull, Jurgen Klinsmann. Um, you know... <laughs> Was this actually the best choice of of all the actual choices they could make? I wonder how realistic Klinsman was. Because I'm going to tell you, I mean, out of Harry Redknapp and Steve Bruce, yeah, I'll take Sam Allardyce, yeah. sure. I mean, there, God. Harry Redknapp, I mean, you couldn't ask for a bigger disaster right now. Five years ago, I would have said give it to him. Now, he'll be an absolute disaster. Um, Red Sox win. Boom. Yeah. Uh, Steve Bruce. No, no, that just that's that's just not right. Klinsman. I, I wouldn't have had a problem with Klinsman. Um, I know Americans hate Klinsman. 
you know, Cleveland has a fantastic, fantastic reputation in England. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he could have come in. I, th- I think people in England would have been happy with Clemson. Um, but like I said, that's why I kind of wonder what was his true availability, I wonder. Well, and I also think Klinsman, if he had taken the England job, I think that's a tacit admission that he failed in America. And yeah. I don't think he, he would let himself do that. I think his goal is to see what happens in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, reassess his position. But I think he, I think, you know, he's he has told U.S. fans, you know, give me to Russia. Mm-hmm. Let me get to Russia and let's, you know, we'll see how this project is going. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think it would have been... I think it would have been tough for him for him to walk away. Yeah. So I don't know. I think this, I mean, this is all joking aside. This is probably the best they could have done. And that is kind of sad when you really think about it. Very much so. (laughs) Um, We know Marcelo Bielsa isn't, doesn't have a job. He quit. uh, What's its face? Uh, Lazio after like two days. So he's on the market. It's not the first time he's pulled that either, I don't think. No, last year he quit, uh, I think, Napoli after one match. So, yeah. Was it them or was it, it was Marseille? Yes, I'm sorry, Olympic Marseille. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah he's, Bills is a, he's, he's a good manager, but he's, he's a little fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, I guess my last point, just to wrap this up here, you know, we, we saw this kind of happen with Conti a little bit over in Italy when he took the, the national team job. Do you think a guy like Sam Allardyce is is sort of wired right to to be a national team head coach? I mean, this is a guy that you know you're not you're not playing every week in the Premier League. You're not constantly having to get guys up. You know, this is you know except for the major tournaments, it's play two games, wait three months, play another two games, wait four months for another international break, wait, and, and you know there's there's just a lot of quote unquote downtime. I feel. For a national manager, uh, do you do you think Allardyce can handle that? Plenty of time for pie. <laughs> that's that's you're not you wrong. Know, I think Sam might put on a couple of lbs in his first few months. Mm. Um, I'm I'm going to be interested to see with uh, who he surrounds himself with on mm. the national team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we had a quasi youth movement. This past season in the mm-hmm. national team, mm-hmm. um, but that said, and I thought what ultimately cost Roy Hodgson his job was his his inability to leave off some of his favorites. Mm-hmm. You know, there were those guys who you know come hell or high, basically come hell or high water. He was taking he was taking Jack Wilshire to Euros. Mm-hmm. And leaving a guy like Danny Drinkwater at home, you know, we'll have to see what Allardyce comes in and does. Um, I just, the thing I've always asked the England manager is, you know, please just take the guys who are playing well. Don't sit here and just, you know, I mean, my God, Capella, every, everyone before. I mean, what happened? You know, every guy tried to tried to make, you know, every guy was, well, I'm going to make Lampard and Gerrard work. No, it doesn't work. You know, I'm taking this guy. I'm taking this guy. These are, oh, man, I'm taking them. They're superstars. We're taking them. You know, it's not always the superstars that get it done. You need the yeoman 
especially at these international tournaments, when you've got the all-star team, sometimes you've got to have the guys who don't have the egos. And that has not been something that the England managers have really figured out over the years. <laughs> so maybe Big Sam will be the guy to do it. I mean, he'll give Big Sam one thing. You know, he famously said that, you know, he doesn't understand why he hasn't managed Real Madrid yet. That's true. Well, this is, uh, you know, hey, for Allardyce, I will say this. As big a damn ego as he has and never really getting to manage a big team, here's his chance. Yeah. You know, I mean, he can make, God, he can blow the English press to hell if he goes out and gets England to the quarterfinal or the semifinal of the World Cup. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Serge Rami gives, like, the semifinal of Euro. Or who knows? God, God knows if he wins. But, I mean, you know, he can he can basically turn it on the English man and be like, I told you guys for years you didn't believe in me. Um, you know, someone like Hodgson, you know, Roy Hodgson had his chances at big clubs. I mean, the guy was the manager at Liverpool and Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam's never had those opportunities. So, one thing I like about Sam, he is going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. Mm. And he is okay. going to want to prove people wrong. So, you know what? Maybe that's going to work out. Well, one move that didn't work out. You saw me tur- You saw me talk myself into Sam Allardyce right there, right? You did in the last 10 minutes. You really did it very well. Um, one move that did not work out was Warpig, Mark Wilmot's. Um, maybe a little earlier than we thought. Maybe a little later than some others thought is no longer going to be the Belgium national team manager after a a shoddy defeat at Euro 2016 by a game Welsh side. Uh, he, uh, he is out as head coach of Belgium. Wes, this is a, a team we've said for a couple of years is just absolutely loaded going through their own sort of golden generation here. Uh, but I think the thing that really did Wilmot's in, even though he took his team from 54th in the world to a high of actually first in the world. Currently they are second according to the FIFA rankings, but just never seemed, you know, you talk about boy, not just, just picking his guys, you know, especially Jack Wilshire. Wilmot's kind of had the problem where he couldn't figure out who he wanted to play and what his best 11 actually were. Um, Deschamps actually also kind of had that issue, which we don't talk about because he made the final. Uh, but Wilmot's uh, really struggled with that throughout the entirety of Euro 2016 and to an extent in the World Cup in Brazil. And and it seems like the uh, RBFA just had enough and decided to go in a different direction. Jesus Christ, Bryce Harper hit a 449-foot bomb today. He's a freak. Didn't, um, didn't Poppies go farther, though? I don't think so. Uh, how far was it? Poppies went far. Bryce was... Bryce is a freaking moonshot today, by the way. That went like the second day. Um, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> more more of uh, Wes Bradshaw's uh, Bryce Harper love in talk. I'm sorry, guys. The Red Sox are good this year, so we're going to talk baseball every once in a while. Damn right, because they're back in first in the East for the first time since June 4th. Here we yeah. go, sir. Uh, <laughs> you know, t- talking about War Pig. <sighs> You know, it's a funny thing. You've, you've got to give him some credit from bringing him, I believe you said, 54th in the world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, God, look at the players he had. Yeah. I mean, I somewhat feel that you or I couldn't have messed that up too much. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I, you know, I mean, obviously we're not professionals, but I mean, I could have gotten Belgium qualified. Come on. Yeah. It wasn't that hard. Look at the guys they've got. You know, the one problem Mark Wilmots had was, you know, the whole thing being a manager, you're expected to actually manage. He didn't do that very well. Yeah. If at all. Um, you know, it, it was almost a case of being of being too big to fail and mm-hmm. then finding a way to do it anyway. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he, he needed to go. I mean, they, they needed to make a change. Uh, I mean, he underachieved at two straight major tournaments. I mean, no, people keep saying that. Did they really underachieve at the World Cup? I would say so. I mean, they, just they lost well, to Argentina in the quarters. Well, I mean, the style with which they played. Okay, that's fair. I mean, because yeah, I mean, we talked about the attacking talent Argentina had. I still talk front to back. I think front to back, you can make it. You can make the case front to back that uh, Belgium is just as good, if not better, than Argentina. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then just not only, not only that they didn't advance past the quarters, but just how poorly they played in both of those tournaments. Yeah. They, they played really bad at Euros, especially. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. They just, they're just so poor in those tournaments, um, that, you know, here's the thing internationally. Now, you know, when, when you're talking about your club team, you know, like, I mean, let's just well look. Jurgen Klopp finished eighth last year. That's not good enough. So what's Jurgen Klopp doing? He's getting rid of some guys. He's bringing in new guys. Okay. Well, he's going to Bundesliga and doing it. He's doing it from the Premier League. He's doing it from you know uh, wherever. When you're the national team manager, you know these are the guys you're given. You know these are the guys that are available to you to be picked. You can't just go out and cherry pick guys from around the world. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I almost think it's a little more sometimes on the manager when it comes to national teams because you you, you can't get rid of the players. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? Just um, well, tell you what, uh, Eden Hazard, you made me mad. I'm not picking you. Wait, yes, you fucking are picking Eden Hazard. <laughs> it's like, oh, you can't manage Eden Hazard. We'll find someone who can. Yeah. Because this is this is the guy who's the backbone of this country for the next decade. We're going to find somebody who can manage him. Yeah. And I just I think it was time it was time to make a move for Belgium. It, it just they just weren't good enough. Well, and lastly, a guy who's going to be leaving on his own terms, uh, Chris Coleman will be stepping down as Wales head coach after the 2018 World Cup campaign, whether they qualify for Russia 2018 or not, whether they win the whole thing or not. He will be stepping down after that. Uh, Of course, got them to the semifinals at Euros where they lost to Portugal and now has this team flying high, the 46-year-old does, uh, and that will be uh, at the end of the qualifying campaign, that will be six years uh, for Coleman at the job. And, you know, it's he's really instilled a sense of, you know, I think, and this is a word he likes to use, heritage in, in these Welsh players and, and that they, they've done a very good job of riding around him. You said, you know, in these major tournaments, sometimes you need guys to check their ego at the door. Well, a lot of these Welsh guys, I don't think even really had an ego to begin with. And then, you know, when a guy like Gareth Bale comes in and pretty much 
asks, <laughs> yeah, checks his ego at the door. That lets everybody know, okay, there are no egos here. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about two coaches, you know, in Woy and and Wilmots who did very poor jobs. Coleman has done a phenomenal job with his Wales team. And I think there's some truth to what he's saying. I think six years, you know, maybe for a national team coach, maybe that's kind of the limit, you know, six to eight years. So I think that that's a, a, you know, I think it's sad that he'll be leaving after what he's done for Wales and building them up. But I think that that's a good time for him to make his way out as well. Well, you know, he's a guy who, as you said, 46 now. So let's say by the time the next World Cup's over, I mean, he, he's going to be 48 years old. He's still in prime time, uh, you know, prime time of his life to be a manager, a club manager. Mm-hmm. You know, still has many good years ahead of him there. You know, this is a guy, I mean, let's put it this way, if, if they qualify for Russia 2018, I don't know if he doesn't go down as the greatest Welsh manager of all time. Probably. I mean, you know, this is a team who routinely, I mean, they didn't qualify for anything mm-hmm. forever. And, and then they make the semifinals of Euro. Um, if they if they qualify for Russia, which I think they're going to have a good chance to do, um, got to see their group. But, you know, I mean, he, he will, let's put it this way, he will have done all you could hope to do at Wales. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, if if he gets him qualified, then he goes out. His reputation is sparkling. He's going to get a management job somewhere, probably a, a, a quite decent job somewhere. And and it would have done exactly what it should have done, which is springboard his career. While I look up uh, what those qualifying groups for uh, UEFA qualifying for Russia 2018 are, let's take a quick word from our sponsors. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. All right, and Wes, I do have those groups, but we want to thank I'm Next USA for their continued sponsorship of the Foreign Affair podcast, as well as NGSC Sports. Uh, that group, Wes, for Wales, they are in Group D. They are in a group with Austria, Serbia, Ireland, Moldova, and Georgia. So, dare I say, Wales is maybe the favorite to get out of that group? Um, I would say so. I mean... You know, it's a solid group. I think Serbia, I, I always feel Serbia is a team that's just ready to blow up mm-hmm. uh, because they've got so many good players. But, you know, that's a team that had no chemistry in mm-hmm. the Euro qualifying. <laughs> and they had fans who wanted to burn swastikas into the ground. Which it's, didn't fine. Help them. it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel, you know, if obviously if the Welsh come out and play like they did for this, you know, they should qualify pretty straight away. Uh, so yeah, I, I think six years would be a good run for Coleman. Absolutely. And uh, now for our last two uh, stories of the week here, uh, we teased this one a little bit earlier in our Diego Costa talk. Uh, <laughs> but the FA is announcing new quote intolerable behavior end quote rules. Uh, it's a joint initiative between the Premier League Football League and Football Association to cut down on basically players showing up head officials um and and swearing at them and pointing fingers in their faces and telling them how much they suck uh the new rules according to tom sunderland over at uh bleacher report 
The new rules uh, say that a red card can be shown if a player uses offensive, insulting, or abusive language and or gestures toward an official. And as I, I posted one time on Twitter and uh, even got the man himself to favorite the tweet, that's something Josie Altidore got kicked out of a game for. So yay for it being in the Premier League now. Um, you can also now get a yellow card if a player makes contact with any... Uh, official in a non-aggressive manner while contact of an aggressive nature will constitute a red card as well as you know the the gigantic huddles that usually happen around a referee after a big decision players can now be in fact multiple players can now be given yellows for doing that and this is basically trying to get back to west the idea of basically only the captain talks to the officials and uh, I, I think this is something that is in sore uh need here in the Premier League because this kind of stuff has just gotten completely out of control in the last few years. You know, even even Vardy uh, got a, a second yellow uh, in towards the end of the Premier League season for, for hurling abuse at an official. So I think it's 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 time to put this aside. Refs may not always make the right call, but you can't just go up and call them humongous cunts either. Correct, and I mean this is long, long overdue. I mean, you know, I guess you know here in the United States, I mean it's it's so unacceptable to be able to do anything with that. You know, in uh, in the NBA or in college basketball, you know, you say the magic word to a referee, or you just, I mean, God, we've seen you look at them wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting a technical foul. Well, and you it's know, ironic. Technical fouls. I was going to say it's ironic that this comes out today. When, you know, a few days ago, uh, we've been talking baseball a little bit tonight, Joe Torre came down and uh, and basically said, hey, if you guys, if managers, you guys keep having these prolonged arguments with uh, umpires, we're going to start fining you and we're going to start suspending you if you get tossed. So there's, there seems to be this almost worldwide coming together of, hey, this is stupid. Let's stop. Well, I mean, you know, in the NFL, if you, you know, F you to a to a referee in the NFL, you're getting a flag, you're getting 15 yards. If you touch an official, you're gone. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, if you touch an official, you are long gone in the NFL. Uh, and, of course, Major League Baseball, you know, no one holds petty grudges like Major League Baseball <laughs> umpires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we've literally seen guys thrown out before games even started <laughs> over the years. Mm. Um, but, you know, then in, in, in football, in, in Europe – you know, you can have 10 guys gang up on the official, call them every name in the book, and the official just sits there, okay, okay, come on, let's break it up. <laughs> no, I think this is a great thing because, you know, that, to me, that's what your captain, that's what his job should be. Yeah. That's why you're the captain because you're the guy who's been, you know, you're the extension of the manager on the field. You know, when uh, when, when Jurgen Klopp is ready to make a uh, uh, Tactical change, you know, he's finding Jordan Henderson or James Milner, whoever's wearing the armband, hey, we need to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's, you know, so there you go. You're the extension of the manager. So, hey, if something goes wrong, you're the representative of your teammates. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, uh, Jordan, no, that's bullshit, man. You need to get, you need to talk to him. Okay, I'm the captain. I'll go talk to him. But you don't need, 
Coutinho, Firmino, mm -hmm. Sadio Mane, Daniel Sir. You don't need all those guys around him too going, hey, man, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. No. And I, I, hope, I hope as well that this will help keep some matches moving a little more smoothly mm -hmm. because, I mean, you know how it is when – when a when a football match starts going crazy and the cards are coming out and guys are getting around, I mean, it really can bog down quickly. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, you know, this will get it, you know, keep the flow of the game going a little more because, hey, one guy can say something to him. When that guy's done, okay, you're done. Let's go. Let's play. Well, and, you know, it kind of happened last year. I think one of, you, one of the flashpoints for this was the, uh, the Tottenham-Chelsea match towards the end of last season that Mark Clattenburg just completely lost control over. And and I think I agree with, completely with you. This is long overdue and really needed to be done actually a lot sooner. I just hope that there is a consistent uh, consistency to how officials treat this and that they don't back down super hard from this and that they, they show off, you know, in maybe the first couple matches um, – no, we're serious about this. Don't f mm -hmm. around with us, or you're getting a card. And and I I feel like they can't be afraid to produce those because I I know there's some that are gonna get you know when, when Diego Costa's bearing down full on you, you've got to just mm -hmm. you've got to just give him a card. And if that's what the rule is now, that's what you have to go by. And 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 officials cannot back down. They have to if that's the rules, they have to enforce them. And I hope that they do. So. Absolutely agree. We will see. Uh, lastly, here, uh, before we hit our other stuff for the day, uh, UEFA came out with their uh, Best Player in Europe Award shortlist. Uh, the 10 players on it are, you know, the ones you'd expect, including Thomas Mueller and Manuel Neuer from Bayern Munich, Tony Cruz, Fake Ronaldo, Gareth Bale, and Pepe from Real Madrid, uh, Messi and Suarez from Barcelona and Griezmann, Antoine Griezmann from Atletico, and um, oh god, his name is blanking on me right now. Oh god, uh, the Juventus oh, goalie, Juventus goalie. Oh, uh, Buffon. Yes, Gigi Buffon. Pardon me, Gigi Buffon. I apologize for that. The most passionate. Uh, man, in in the sport. Those are your top ten, and uh, Wes, I'll get your pick for who those top ten should be. UEFA, our best player in Europe award for 2015-16, but uh, also jumping up on the list, tied for 25th in amount of votes with one Giorgio Chiellini, Diego Godin, Hugo Lloris, and Paul Pogba. Wigan in Northern Ireland's own Will Grigg. Well, you know me, and obviously, I think it's uh, Suarez. Oh, of course it is. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a big Chewy fan, anyway. And uh, I mean, you can't tell me that guy wasn't the best player on the planet during La Liga this season. Is it? Is it really bad? And, and you know, I'm a huge Messi mark. Is it bad if I kind of think the award should go to Griezmann? No. I mean, I, I, what what I think it says is that this year, I think Messi and Ronaldo have come back to the pack a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, now, of course, Ronaldo's going to tell you to fuck off because he just won Euro. <laughs> but still, I, I just think you know, overall they've 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 come back to the pack just slightly enough that it actually turns into a discussion now. Mm -hmm. Where in the past it's been, oh, it's Messi or it's Ronaldo. And if you say anybody else, you're literally just saying it to like hear yourself talk. 
Or, or, or just to be a contrarian asshole. Right. So, uh, you know, there's... And real quick, breaking news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the rumors are over. Joe Allen will be a Stoke player within 48 hours. Wow, Stoke. Mm-hmm. I saw that pop up today. That that could be a uh, that could be a destination, and uh, according to Empire of the Cop, a uh, very reputable uh, Liverpool site, uh, site within the next couple of days, Joe Allen will be on the move to Stoke. That's that's a good get for Stoke, actually. Every year they seem to get another guy who you're like, wow, that's not a bad pickup for Stoke. Yeah, they got Zeredin Shakiri last year. Yeah, um, uh, Bojan. Yeah. Although, who is the guy who is basically saying everyone's going to leave Stoke? Oh, fucking Charlie Adam. Yeah, he really needs to shut his damn mouth. Sorry, that, I know that's out of nowhere, but, you know. Charlie Adam, the least athletic football player in England. Yeah. At least Void didn't call him up. There's. Well, he's Scottish, so. That's, yeah, well, there's that. Yeah, I'm sure he would have tried that. There's the whole fact that he's Scottish. I'm sure he would have tried. All right, Wes, uh, what are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be as we hit Watch 4? Ed, I have twice in the last two weeks now seen the movie The Life of Pets. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Life of Pets? No, it's great. It's funny. My my little girl loves it. I've taken her to see it twice. It's a a big hit in the Bradshaw household. Um, (laughs) That's been a fun one. Um, in honor of uh, the Ghostbusters re- reboot hitting theaters this week, I have completely avoided that one and watched the old Ghostbusters twice, which uh, absolute classic. And to me, you take out some of the CGI, it still holds up. I don't care. Bill Murray comedy is timeless. Mm. Timeless. Apparently not in um, the new one, but that's neither here nor there. God, I have no desire to see the new one. I don't know about you. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but go on. Okay, no desire to sit in it on myself. Um, blah, 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 what else? Um, it seems as if I watched... Oh, uh, I watched a very good ESPN 30 for 30, uh, Doc and Straw. Oh, I saw about that, yeah. About uh, Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. They are... They, they are... I, I'm here to now confirm they are the losers that I always thought they were. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Oh, crack's even better. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for Doc, literally anything he could get in his nose worked well for him. Um, as, you know, as always, those 30 for 30s are so well put together. Judd Apatow was a uh, was one of the co-directors of this oh, one. I didn't know that. Very, very, it was very good, very well put together. Um, no, no doubt in the world, Doc and Strawberry may be as much natural talent as any two guys who ever played the game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Ed, we know what happens a lot of time when you're just that naturally better than everybody else. You find a way to fuck it up. Yeah. And, folks, I don't want to spoil the movie for you. For some reason, you don't know about Strawberry and Good. <laughs> but they found a way to monumentally fuck it up. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's been mostly what I've been watching this week. Um, literally now days away from cutting the cord, Ed, and I believe the last thing I will watch on my DVR uh, from this past week's uh, uh, free preview of HBO, I believe I'll be watching straight out of Compton. Very well. Very good choice, sir. Very good choice. Um, I am also not going to watch Ghostbusters because, and Wes, I want you to brace yourself because this may shock you. 
I've never seen any Ghostbusters movie. I'm not shocked, but at the same time, I believe I do believe you would thoroughly enjoy the first one. Probably, it's. I, it's... Be- I believe it's up your alley. It it, it um, it kind of hits some of your comedic taste. Mm-hmm. I I do believe you're. I don't know. We've never talked about it. I think that you and Bill Murray mesh well. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, and he is just oh, he gives a masterclass in Ghostbusters. You oh, and enjoy- I. I do love Bill Murray. I loved, uh, if anybody has seen it, spoiler alert, uh, his um, his little cameo in uh, Zombieland is <laughs> that was <great>. fantastic. <laughs> that, was, that was literally the highlight of Zombieland. Uh, I, I liked a lot of Zombieland, but that stole the damn show. That yeah, was... Yes, Murray, Murray was amazing. Um, uh, um, yeah, you, need to, you, you need to see the first Ghostbusters. I, I think I've got it on DVD. Um... I don't think you have a DVD player, so. Uh, no, actually, I do now because because one name producer Jackie uh, has her PlayStation Two here in uh, in the apartment, so I I actually do have a DVD player. Everybody, yay! I can find it. I'll get it to you, my friend. You'll enjoy it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, don't go see the new one at all. Okay. Well, and that's that's something I kind of want to talk about because I, at first, I kind of enjoyed when the reviews started coming out. Because it wasn't like there's been so much crap being thrown around about this movie and and how, you know, everybody, you know, there was the backlash because they hated that it was all women in the Ghostbusters role. And then it was, oh, well, you suck because you hate it because of that. And just turn this huge war. And the best part is that reviews have come out and they're just like, eh, it's 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 okay. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just meh. And that that makes me happy because mm-hmm. I love it when everybody gets pissy over stuff like this on both mm-hmm. sides. And and then they like the movie comes out and it's just eh. so nobody can get like be like, "Oh, it flopped because of the women" or "Oh, it was awesome because of the women." It's like, "No, like the women were okay, but the movie was just kind of crappy." So, sorry. Oh. Um, but the 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 abuse that Leslie Jones has gotten on Twitter oh, the last few days is absolutely fucking atrocious, and this country should be ashamed of itself. Fuck all of you who are who are hurling just absolutely horrendous racial insults at Leslie Jones. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. So that's that's all I'm gonna say about this. As much as I was happy to see this movie do incredibly mediocre, I wish no ill will to anybody involved in this movie. I I don't have any grudge against the fact that there was women in this movie. I just, I don't care about Ghostbusters. So my, quote, childhood wasn't ruined because of it. But, my God, step the fuck back, you keyboard warriors. Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's... Well, real quick, just the, my, my feeling with... I mean, what what are the most disappointing movies that come out? Remakes, Remakes of old movies. Yeah. And why? Because yes, we remember. I mean, Ghostbusters to me, it was it was incredible, it was amazing. It was a huge part of my like five to seven year old childhood. I loved it, and the reason was because they those guys those movies made had incredible chemistry, and you can't just you can't just remake chemistry. You know, it, it either it's either there you can't unless what you can't force chemistry on someone. You know, and, and these ladies, I mean, they're all extremely talented. Don't get me wrong, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Leslie Jones. I don't like Leslie Jones. I think she's hilarious. 
I mean, they're great actresses. They're great comedians. I just didn't like their chemistry. You know, I just, I just don't think they would have great chemistry in this movie. And from what I hear, they don't. They don't. I mean, yeah, it's a remake. Remakes are never as good as, good as the originals. Yeah, absolutely. If you want, if you want a bigger take on that, um, with someone who actually does this sort of thing for a living, go check out uh, Comic Girl, Comic Book Girl 19's YouTube channel. She did an absolutely amazing video on this topic. Uh, go watch it. It's you, it's fantastic. Better, better than we could ever talk about it. And because she's a woman, it doesn't feel like it's two white guys telling you how much they love women or something so. hey i tan during the summer thank you well done sir um as for what i'm actually watching um i tell you what i just it's actually what i'm playing i just took the plunge it's been two years in the making and i finally just went ahead and got it uh right at the end of the wii u life cycle i got mario kart 8 um and let me tell you what it's pretty damn fun i i haven't actually owned a mario kart game since mario kart 64 on Nintendo 64 and uh wow that is that is a really really good game very good very stable online mode which is something I can't say for a lot of Nintendo's games so good on you guys I'm sorry I didn't pick it up earlier but uh really really good work there so very very fun I haven't even unlocked all the tracks yet so very great 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 game just so so easy so fluid feels so good to play um so that is that is my watch for. I will be playing it basically until now they shut the servers down online because online is actually pretty fun, um, except for people who pick fucking Baby Mario track, uh, die and rot in hell. That's all I have to say to you. Just there, there is a special section of hell reserved for you people. Speaking of special yeah, sections, much like Jurgen Klopp, I, I respect your opinion and uh, I'll go with you. Thank you. Speaking of special sections of hell, uh, what's going on in the world of So Raw, West Bradshaw? I heard there was some sort of draft this week. Oh, dear Lord. And maybe the uh, maybe the biggest week in WWE in the past, uh, in the past decade. <sighs> um, we had not one but two world title matches on, uh, on free TV this week. Uh, I'd say we're, we're going to start there. I'm going to give you just the highlights of the two matches. Um, basically, it was the go-home shows for Battleground coming up this Sunday. Uh, I mean, we're set. The, the big ones in my book, um, the the six-man tag between uh, the club, AJ Styles, uh, Gallows and Gunn, uh, and Cena, Enzo, and Cass. That's a big one. Uh, the New Day versus the White Family six-man tag. That's a big one. And, of course, at the end of the night, the, the Shield triple threat, uh, Reigns, Rollins, Ambrose, still can't fucking believe it's happening at Battleground, but whatever. It's going to happen, apparently. Um, we had a world title match on Monday night on Raw, which was really, really good. It was Ambrose versus Rollins. They went one-on-one. Ended, the ending was extremely controversial. Um mm as I think they were giving us a little troll action on Monday night, um, Ambrose takes a superplex off the top rope from Rollins. Uh, Rollins drops him right into a pin. Ambrose pulls Rollins over. Both guys' shoulders were down for a three count. Ooh. Um, what do? Well, Stephanie McMahon, of course, your uh, your CEO of Raw. Thank God. He declared that uh, Seth Rollins was the winner. 
but then apparently in the uh, in the follow up, which was exclusive on the WWE Network, uh, the match was ruled a draw. So Ambrose ends up keeping his title. Um, so then they decided, hey, uh, Tuesday night SmackDown Live, the first Tuesday night live SmackDown. They said, let's do it again. So we had Ambrose Rollins Part 2. Um, not quite as good a match as the night before, but still good. And Dean Ambrose goes over clean. Oh. You know, hits Rollins with dirty deeds, pins him one, two, three. I was a little stunned by that. I thought we were going to get a nice schmoz ending with no winner. You know, keep it set up for Sunday, but, uh, you know, it happened. Um, on Monday, both, uh, both CEOs introduced their general managers. Uh, for Raw, Mick Foley, the, uh, the hardcore legend, is your new Raw general manager. Which and, is a little uh, bit of an upset, I think, for you, because I think you thought it was going to be uh, Triple H. Well, I, I just, I guess you just figured they were going to b- go bad guy with bad guy. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been just natural for Stephanie to bring in Triple H. I think they're holding off Triple H for something else. Um, I, I believe we could see Triple H at SummerSlam. We haven't seen him, of course, on television since WrestleMania. So, you know, we'll kind of see what's going to go there. But she ends up bringing in Foley, which, truth be told, I think it's a better option mm-hmm. because then you don't have this overwhelming feeling that the bad guys are running the show. Mm-hmm. You know, now, yes, Stephanie McMahon is definitely working heel, but, I mean, Mick Foley is such a, such a baby face, it's not funny. <laughs> you, know, you can't really hate Mick Foley. So um, I think they're going to play off each other pretty well. Actually, it, it, I'll say it gives Raw some balance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not too good guy or bad guy heavy. Um, on the SmackDown side, we are definitely going good guy heavy as Daniel Bryan returns to be the uh, the GM of SmackDown. Yeah, that, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you got Shane, you got Daniel Bryan. And it's anytime you can get Daniel Bryan on TV, he still gets a massive pop. Massive pop, which he got on Monday night. So, uh that was good. Uh, but now the big thing of the week was the draft, which took place on Tuesday night. Um, real quick rundown of the way the draft works. Um, for every, basically Raw has three picks to every two picks for SmackDown, mainly because Raw is a three-hour show and SmackDown's only a two-hour show. So, you know, cover three hours, they do need more talent. Uh, Raw had the first pick of every round. And so basically, the way each round went, um, Raw had three picks, SmackDown had two picks. So real quick, uh, we'll go over the first couple of rounds, and then I'll hit a few highlights that I really liked. Uh, For Raw, their first round, they had the first overall pick in the draft. And Ed, they took the the surest thing. They took the biggest superstar in the company right now. They took Seth Rollins, uh, which... Mm -hmm. You know, to me, I'm sure you saw my tweets. If you didn't take Seth Rollins number one, somebody had lost their freaking mind. <laughs> I mean, he is he's he is the total package right now. He can, you know, he can work heel, he can work baby. Um, he's completely over. He's a legitimate championship contender. There's a good chance he's going to win the title this Sunday at uh, Battleground. So uh, Rollins goes number one. Uh, Rollins second pick. Third pick overall, they actually took Charlotte, the women's champion. I did see that. That was they WWE really wants to push the women, I think. They do, they do, and they've talked about it, and you know, they've talked about it for a year now. And with this pick, I think they kind of put their money where their mouth was mm-hmm. with it. Absolutely, uh, they kind of showed their intent for it, which was good. I, I have no problem with a good women's division, 
and Charlotte is, I mean, she's a freaking superstar. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is, I mean, she, she's a prototype. She's, she's, you know, she has the size, she has the height, she's 5'10", she's athletic. I mean, she is a phenomenal athlete. You know, was a Division One college athlete, was a great volleyball player from the great state here in North Carolina. Um, you know, she, she definitely, she has the pedigree being the daughter of Ric Flair. She has the name. It's a no-brainer. She's great. And then the uh, the first big surprise of the night, fifth overall pick, Raw's final first round, they take Finn Balor out of NXT. Yeah. Uh, you know I have been all about Finn Balor for a good year and a half, two years now. Tottenham Hotspur uh, supporter. I have been I have been waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> I told you that you would probably actually enjoy Finn Balor. He's really big into the comic books um, and actually does some of his uh, characters after uh, Venom. Uh, based on Venom and and other big comic book characters, he's he's going to be an absolute star. It's going to be fantastic. The the guy who started the Bullet Club, so you know I've got nothing but respect for him for that. Um, I'm so excited to see it. A if he shows up on Sunday night at Battleground, and B the fact that he should be showing up at the very least on Raw on Monday night. Uh, it is it's one I've been waiting for. Uh, real quick, SmackDown, their first two picks. Uh, picks number two and four overall, they take Dean Ambrose, the WWE champion, with their number one pick. Number two pick, they take AJ Styles. Other than Rollins, I think he's the best wrestler in the world right now. Um, the only downside to AJ Styles is his age. He's, God, I want to say Styles maybe 38. Um, but the thing is, he still wrestles like he's 28. Hasn't lost a step is better now than maybe he's ever been. Uh, you, know, you just hope that time doesn't catch up with AJ Styles too quickly. Uh, moving on, um, pick six, eight, and ten from Raw. They take Roman Reigns. They take Brock Lesnar, which even though he's only going to be there part of the time, he's he's the biggest draw on the card. Everybody knows it. And then Ed, they take the New Day. Yeah, but I know you're a New Day fan because love you can't not love Xavier Woods at this point. Yep. Um, so they take New Day, which actually gives them three guys. You know, taking tag teams and, and stables actually are really good picks because they give you even more depth. Um, pick seven and nine, second round SmackDown, they take John Cena and Randy Orton. You know, or you know, they're Cena, Cena and Orton. I mean, they're legends. Uh, going back to Raw, their next three, Sami Zayn, Sasha Banks, Chris Jericho. So they've got the women's division on lock. Uh, they also have Canada on lock with Zayn and Jericho, and uh, they end up with Kevin Owens in the next round. Uh, on the other side, SmackDown, Bray Wyatt, Becky Lynch, then The Miz and Baron Corbin, um, Rusev, KO, Enzo and Cass, Gallows and Anderson all ending up on Raw. Those are kind of the notables there. Um, the the pick of the night that really had me excited and had a lot of people excited, a tag team out of NXT called American Alpha, um, Jason Jordan and um, oh God I forgot Gable I, I know it's Jordan and Gable I cannot remember Gable's first name but uh, Gable was actually an Olympic wrestler, mm-hmm. someone in the Kurt Angle mold, not really that big but he is I mean they are absolutely dynamite. Maybe the most 
you know, they're not as fun on the mic as the New Day or Enzo and Cass, but when it comes to being an actual tag team and just being amazing to watch, they are. They end up on SmackDown. That's a huge coup for SmackDown. <clears throat> um, some of the ones I like to see, uh, well, okay, the ones coming up from NXT. Um, uh, ba -ba -ba -ba, looks like uh, Alexa Bliss, who I'm completely in love with. She's going to be on SmackDown. Um, Mojo Rawley, who literally, if they dropped him off a cliff, would not bother me one bit. He gets drafted to SmackDown. Carmella, she's great. She's going to SmackDown. Eva Marie, who I, I don't know anyone in wrestling that people hate more than Eva Marie, but she ends up on, on the SmackDown roster. Uh, Raw ends up with, did they get anybody cool late? Raw got more of the, uh, the established people, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say bringing up kind of the uh, the back end of it, they got more established guys where SmackDown seemed to take a few more of the NXT people. Um, <clears throat> and some people, you know, Apollo Crews has a lot of upside. We haven't seen it yet. He's on SmackDown. Um, uh, the Vaughn Villains are over there. Uh, Kalisto Ascension. So I would say at the end of the day um, – <clears throat> Raw definitely has the deeper of the two. But once again, you would figure when they were doing three for every two. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'll put it this way. I am very happy with the rosters on both shows. I will be watching both shows. Uh, we will see which one gets my gets my vote as my favorite. Raw, ha Raw has my favorite guys, as in Rollins, Finn Balor, Gunn and Gallows. Um, I'm a huge AJ Styles and, and Dean Ambrose fan over on the SmackDown side, but Raw got Kevin Owens. And I think Kevin Owens is putting me over onto the Raw side. But we will definitely see. It is a really exciting time coming up here in the WWE uh, Battleground on Sunday, Ed, and then we, uh, then we, we have the run into SummerSlam coming up in August. So um, fun times coming up here for WWE. Big pay-per-views coming up here just as the company line splits down the middle to give viewers twice the action in twice the nights. Live! Yeah, so that is what's going on in the world of the WWE. Check it out on the pay-per-views. And, of course, they can get the WWE Network for how much, Wes? Nine ninety-nine. Thank you so much. And uh, we would love now to get some sponsorship from the WWE for mentioning that on virtually every podcast. Someone we are getting sponsorship from is, of course, I'm Next USA. If you are the next in your field, you can do no better than going to the folks at I'm Next USA and getting signed up with them and realizing your dreams of being a superstar today we'd love to thank them for sponsoring the podcast we'd also like to thank ngsc sports and ngscsports.com we never stop although episode 116 of the foreign affair podcast is about to you can find them of course at i'm next usa at ngsc sports we are at afa pod wes you are at west bradshaw 21 i am at edward green you can also find us via our sister show the all new sports show on facebook instagram and youtube email us all new sports show at gmail.com find us uh or sorry send us your letters and parcels to 1701 sunset avenue suite 201 rocky mountain north carolina 27804 and lastly we'd like to thank our podcast providers out there including podbean.com the itunes music store google play music uh 
Spreaker, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, and much, much more. Thank you guys for getting this podcast out to all our viewers. And lastly, thank you to you, our viewers. Without you, we would not be doing this. So, Wes, anything else to add before we get out of here? And high school football is almost here. That's true. Our, our good buddy of the show, Green, down to four choices, Alabama, NC State, South Carolina, and Virginia Tech. Kind of an interesting four choices. <laughs> yeah. If I say so myself. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll we'll be seeing him coming up this season. Maybe the all-new sports show comes to you every Sunday night. Maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. So Maybe. either way, you know the Foreign Affair podcast will be coming to you each and That's every right. week. So from McCall and Crime, Wes Bradshaw, I'm Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us. Just about three weeks till we're back in the prem. And until then, enjoy the International Champions Cup as well as the Olympics, which we'll be talking about in the next few weeks. Until then, stay safe, everybody, and go catch those Pokemon. And good night, Boston, because your socks are in person. It's a glorious night in Love you, FSG. Yes. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs>Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.